Welcome to episode 44 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey shares another story out of Florida that I will classify as interesting versus super cool as he believes. And I share a story about a recently discovered new species. We also discuss two new favorites from a category inspired by a musical. And of course, our first awesome animal of the week from season two. So let's hop into episode 44 of the Animal Addicts podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Animal Addicts podcast. It's the first episode of season two. Woo! Anyway, uh, today we're going to talk about a whole new round of animals. But before we get into that, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? So last week, I decided to watch a talk that was being given by the Natural History Museum. Of San Diego. Yes. It was virtually still. Um, And it was on bee diversity in San Diego County and ways to preserve them. I am curious how many people watch this. I don't remember. I want to know, like, just the... I mean, there's obviously going to be people... Be people. Be people. <laughs> be people who are interested in Be people in this. are fun people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just can't imagine it being that many. Anyway, continue on. It's probably, I, like, you know, like, 10,000 maybe, if that. <laughs> I think that'd be really lucky. Continue on. Yeah. So, anyway, and it's like, it was going over, um, like, how um, some of our native bees that some people don't recognize, like... They're sweat bees, which are these tiny little bees. Okay, because yeah. they look like a bead of sweat. Is that why they're called that? No, they land on you and drink your sweat. Oh, okay. Yeah, to get the minerals and salts. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. And then they were also talking about, like, bumblebees and then concerns with agriculture. Or that might have been another video I watched because I watch a lot of stuff on bees. <laughs> Casey, if you're new to us, is obsessed with bees and wasps, parasitoid yes. wasps. Specifically. <laughs> but, All wasps. But, um... All the hymenopterans are cool. He loves the bees. Yes. They're the... Hymenopterans are the bees and the wasps and somebody else flies. There's ants and one other group, which I doubt you will be able to guess. Wait, wait, wait. So bees, wasps, are flies included in that, though? No. Okay, so just ants. Termites? I have no idea. Sawflies. No, I wouldn't have gotten that. There's a fly aspect. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And the lepidopteras are the butterflies? Those are butterflies, moths, and skippers. Okay, I have to remember lepidoptera. Those yes. are pretty ones for the most part. Skippers are cool. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah. So, and then it was talking about, like, our bumblebees, and then talking about, like, misconceptions people have with bees. Like, a lot of people just think of honeybee, even though they are not native. <laughs> and then they also talk about, like, um... The, so, because most bees do not create honey, another thing they cover is that how most bees do not sting you. Okay. Yeah, because half of all bees, roughly, actually probably less, <laughs> um, are male, and male bees don't have stingers. Okay. Really? So every time you get stung, it's always a girl? Yes. <laughs> it's a female. That's funny. Yeah, because <laughs> the stinger is a modified ovipositor. Weird. Yes. Okay. They all have different bee species have different contents to their venom as well. And what is an ovipositor specifically? It's a organ used to lay eggs. Okay. Okay. Yep. 
That makes sense. It's yes. literally like you're depositing yes. eggs from ovaries, technically, and like us. But anyway. Yes. I was getting frustrated, though, because my internet where I live sucks. So mm-hmm. my computer dropped out, and then I had to sign back in. So I missed some of it. Oh, no. Yeah. Do they not put them up, like, as videos you can access It's them? recorded, but they haven't posted it yet. Oh, okay. I, so I missed a few minutes. Not patient. Oh, okay. That was it. So that was the thing. They're just talking about the various bees. Yes, and, um, yeah, they also talk about some of the ways to, like, preserve them, like planting natural native species. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are some of those native species? I'm trying to think. Okay. Milkweed's one of them. has to be native milkweed because... Okay. The tropical milkweed that is usually more often sold is susceptible to carrying parasites, which infect our monarchs, and now they are not doing as well. Also, they tend to stay when there's the tropical milkweeds, which also leads to higher rates of parasites in the population. Okay. Got it, got it. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I had a friend down from L.A., so as usual when someone comes in from out of town... I'm always like, let's go to the animal park because it's kind of almost free. Um, <laughs> only for like one more month for me, though. That's few sad. more months for me. So I was like, we have to do it now because <laughs> I don't know what these passes are going to be now. Yeah. I still need to go. My mom's expires at the end of next month, I think. I don't remember when mine's good. I know it's June, but I don't remember how mm-hmm. how late. Anyway, but yeah, so I took my friend. So we went to the animal park. Of course, there were still asshole people parking. Who were horrible. Not as many, though, I noticed. Oh, yeah? So that was good. But then I was pointing out to my friend, like, the idiot who parks over the line purposely and then the giant truck who fit themselves in it. And the person next to us parked like a dick, too. So I was like, good luck getting into your car because you parked on the line, So and I can't go into the next person's space. So, like, here we are. Just interesting. Have you ever heard, like, one of the things that drives me nuts is when people back into their spot? Mm Mm-hmm. It makes it so stupid. And then I saw a video of someone defending backing up into the spot. Why don't you like backing into a spot? It just makes it easier to leave. Yes, but then it takes up time for people that are trying to get through. Only if there's traffic at the time, though. A lot of times there's not traffic at the time. You're wasting other people's time. I see people people do it at work all the time. There's no one waiting. It is annoying if someone's waiting. Plus, if someone's waiting, they think you pass the spot and they can take it. (laughs) But the argument was stupid because his argument was saying it's like, you'll... Take some time now in order to have a shorter it takes d- the same amount journey. Of time. It, it takes the same amount. All told, it's the same amount of time, but it's just easier to deal with. And you don't have to worry about running over small children who aren't paying attention. You know what I mean? So Unless people actually have, worry about that? I mean, well, you'd worry about the legal ramifications of that. That's why you <laughs> and probably, go off the grid for a few probably months. Probably also wouldn't like to be traumatized by seeing a dead toddler on the ground under your car. It's traumatizing? Yes, anyway. Learn something new every day. <laughs> but yeah, so we went, and it was super crowded, dude. Mm-hmm. Super crowded. That's can't, I mean, I don't think the dirt was open because we didn't have to park that far down. In fact, I remember we were in Giraffe 6. <laughs> um, so it wasn't that, but it was just like on the walkways, you just, you could not escape the people. Wait, was this a zoo or safari park? No, the oh. park. I'm Draft not going six. to the zoo. Yeah. I don't remember them being numbered. They have numbers, yeah. Anyway, um, and then, but they don't have like the color animal decorations. They just yeah. have the like bronze outline thing. Anyway, but um, but yeah, you just, you could not on the walkways, you could not avoid. And of course they meandered. And of course they walked all five of them out in the line. I was just mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, people, come on. 
But we did get our get there early enough to get tickets to the platypus. So that was that was she was so excited about that, and he was all super active and so adorable, of course. Um, but we didn't get to do the the uh, kangaroo exhibit, which is like the alley caution exhibit now. Since I almost ran into one. Yeah. And I was explaining to her, she's like, oh, are they just loose? I'm like, yeah, I almost ran into one. <laughs> Definitely yeah. loose. You have to pay attention. Um, but the, the line for that was so long. Do you remember, like, the lines? Yeah, I remember when I went, was? the line was long, too. It was so long. So I was like, well, we have to. So we went to get the ticket, and then we went. But it was, like, a couple hours later. So I'm like, okay, we'll do all the, like, Mombasa Lagoon area stuff before we go down. And then we'll come back and then do all this Australia stuff. But it was still too crazy. So anyway. But the platypus was super cute, and she wanted to see the cheetah, and I think Ruxa was the one who was out because it was Ray and Ruxa, because I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Raina is the one who just died recently, because mm. I know she had cancer a while ago, and then she beat it, and then it came back. Oh. Anyway, um, but yeah, so she was super excited about the cheetah, and the Okapi was actually up at the front. Oh, yeah. However, my battle beast did not want to be at the front, <laughs> and I was trying to impress upon her how big they are and cool they are, that that's what I would ride into battle. And they were way over and yonder. they were, like, way over yonder. Like, the better view of them was from the Okapi. Before, this was back before, I don't even think I was born yet, but <laughs> this was long before they had that second fence that's in the enclosure to prevent them from getting right up to the oh, walkway. The yeah. yeah. My sister pet one when she was a kid. Oh, no. <laughs> you probably didn't really care. Oh. Um, but yeah, the Okapi was actually like visible and you could mm-hmm. see it, so that was nice. And one of the tigers was actually up and moving um, and growling at people, kind of, which was fun. Mm. And then the lioness was like super duper close. They were in like the glass area. And he was back by that rock toward in the back. And then she was up at the glass, like looking out. And it was, it was just so funny. And I wish I'd taken a picture because they have the sign about maintain a lion's distance across. And it was like flat out Disney during like March of Penguins. It was, it was, I haven't seen that, but like, it was, it was Disneyland during fireworks crowded, like, uh. <laughs> at the front of it. So it was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, but it was, it was pretty nice, but I also, I don't know why they haven't opened the tram up yet, because Disney can be open. The amusement park's open already. I know, so that's why I'm confused. And yeah. if they just don't seat you every row, mm-hmm. then it makes sense to do that to me. Yeah. But anyway, I think that's part of why it was crowded, because usually you'd have so many people doing that. So instead, everyone's in the walkways. Mm-hmm. So what else? I feel like something else was close. And obviously, I'm not doing the um, talks yet either. I don't think, at least. I didn't see any. Not when I was And they're not either. doing Cheetah Run, which that makes sense. Because yeah. there's no way to prevent the crowds from all mm-hmm. ganging in on that. Apparently, now they do that in the morning, and you pay for it, like the Cheetah Safari. Mm. But it's in the morning, and you do Cheetah Run. But then you're the only one watching it. But nice. Anyway. So, so yeah. But the, it was nice to go back. Got a ton of steps in, so that's exciting. And uh, and yeah, they've changed some things too. We ate over by the playground, and they've changed the playground up since last I was there. I'm trying to remember because I remember a few things changed when I went, but I can't remember what now. <laughs> You've forgotten all of it. I don't have a good memory. That's okay. Mm. Oh, and now up by the um, by the tree kangaroo and the murder birds, mm-hmm. um, cassowaries for folks who don't know. Um, that little, like, you know, drink and they like snacks there. I think they sell beer at that one, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, they have the tables back in there, so now you can eat in there again. There's like three tables. Oh, yeah. And the tree kangaroo was out and moving. I forgot. Mm. That was like one of the first things, and it was actually like on like a branch, not by their little bed. And then, um, and they like move. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. And I tried to see the quaddy, but they were snuggled and not, not coming out. Yeah. 
But yeah, so that was the animal park. But we should go ahead and, and move on into the things that you want to talk about today. And Casey, yes. it looks like it's probably some terrifying It's not terrifying. Talking. Okay. It's science. I, I will be the judge of that. <laughs> yes, so surprisingly another positive story for me towards Florida. Okay. Which is something I need to stop doing before people think well, I actually like it. What was the other good thing from Florida? They did some <laughs> Their regulations in terms of exotic reptiles. Right, okay, okay. There we go. Yeah. I was like, I know they did something. Continue yes. on. So Florida is releasing genetically modified mosquitoes. Okay, now tell me the modifications. They are, so let me give you the whole spiel because I have notes. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so it's set to, well, overall, this is older story, so it's already happened. But it's in the Florida Keys. They are releasing thousands of genetically modified mosquitoes. And this will be the first release of GMO insects in the wild in the United States. Okay. I'm still afraid, but okay. Yes. So the mosquitoes that they are using are Aedes aegypti, and these are actually invasive species, and they are known to carry a lot of deadly diseases, mm -hmm. like Zika virus, dengue fever, chikungunya. Try again? No, the <laughs> chikungunya. Okay. I know I'm butchering. I'm never going to pronounce that right. And mm -hmm. yellow fever, among others. So the biotech company is Oxitech and is the ones behind the creation of these GMO mosquitoes as an alternative to insecticides. And they've modified the males with a gene that when it's passed on makes the female offspring um, need an antibiotic called tetracycline. Okay. And without that, they will die. And obviously, they are not going to be getting that out in the wild. So how are they gonna keep producing then? Well, that's the thing over generations. Um, because there's going to be oh, females that will die off. I see what you're saying. Then okay. the population so will wear down. So instead of them getting poisoned and dying, they're trying to get rid of them. Yes. By essentially sterilizing them, sort of. <laughs> yes, they're limiting the female population to limit the overall population. Okay. It is a self-limiting um, pest control method, though, because eventually the modified insects die. Okay. Um, and Oxitec got approval for this by the FDA back in 2016 mm -hmm. and received approval from the EPA in last year. So what is this death like, though? Is it a horrible death like an insecticide would be? Not really. It's more like imagine if you became malnourished and then your body would slowly deteriorate. Yeah, that would not be a fun death, Casey. That's essentially starving to death. Starving to death is actually not that horrible. I'm pretty sure it's not great. Well, it's no death is great, but well, a quick a guillotine death is fine. That's real quick. <laughs> not if the blade's not sharp. <laughs> that's true, but generally that's pretty quick. There are a lot yeah. of deaths that are pretty instantaneous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if this release proves to be successful, then Oxitec will be set to release an additional twenty million more mosquitoes later this year during peak mosquito season. And in previous text locations, Oxtex show that this technique can suppress the populations by up to 90%. So would we still have our, our native mosquitoes? Or yes. Or the native mosquitoes to that area at least? Yes, because this is just the gene that's been modified in this and species. This invasive species. And they will mate with each other. So right. No impact on our native wildlife. I would say, I'm sure, there's, I'm sure mosquitoes serve some purpose. Yes, but keep in mind these are also invasive. Right. Most mosquitoes actually don't drink blood. Most of them are just pollinators. Okay. 
And so next time a mosquito lands on me, I'm like, you could have done a pollinator instead. Yes, and that. Why'd one... you choose this bloody life? Because <laughs> it's a female needs to take care of her babas. <laughs> <laughs> and um, given that they have shown that it's been successful, it will likely be successful in Florida. And like I mentioned earlier, a great benefit of. Well, actually, I haven't mentioned this. A great benefit of this control method is that it is not susceptible to the mosquitoes developing resistance like it would with pesticides. Right, that makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. yes. Like if you literally can't get this thing, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And as I mentioned, this is a more targeted method and will only be affecting these mosquitoes that we're trying to get rid of. The invasive ones, yeah. Yes. And that's very important when you look at when we've used insecticides like pyrethroids that have been shown to kill other insects like honeybees, ladybugs, and dragonflies, among other native insects. Right. Those are, I mean, that's essentially all poison, and it's just bad in general. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that is kind of cool, but also terrifying. And what, what's it called? Something Oxitec? Oxitec is the biotechnology yeah, firm. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be. <laughs> that's going to be like an evil villain. Every t biotech company set. is going to be bad. Like, that's like an evil, like, that's like, you know, Skynet type situation. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, anyway, that's, okay, well, if, if you're joining us for the first time, you will be learning some things. Casey loves, I would say, bugs, but apparently hymenopterans. Um, I like all arthropods, but specifically I love hymenopterans. And he loves genetically weird shit that people do. <laughs> I am a total nerd. Actually, you like Harry Potter, too. Yes, I and do. And I have a story for you, folks, that is Harry Potter related. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys. So, I'm just going to read the headline for you, okay? Australian scientist discovers chocolate frog in New Guinea swamps. Super exciting. Mm. Chocolate frogs actually exist, y'all. And I will obviously be linking, I can't speak, linking the article. This one's from The Guardian. Oh my gosh, the little face. Casey has seen it. This yeah. little frog's face and the little toes. Look at those little toes. Oh my gosh, oh my they're gosh. so cute. Anyway, okay, let's see. So we'll read a little bit of this article for you. So Steve Richards, a frog specialist at the South Australian Museum, first found the cocoa-colored creature in 2016 in incredibly challenging habitat. So that could be why it took us so long to find this frog, he said. It's swampy, it's spiky, there are lots of malaria-carrying moises? Moses? M-O-Z-Z-I-E-S? What is that? M-O-Z-Z-I-S. I don't know what that is. Might be uh, Australian slang for mosquito. Probably is. Anyway, it's uh, it floods, there are crocodiles and not many roads. It's a really unpleasant place to work. <laughs> Love. Yeah. Mosey is an informal name for mosquito in Australia and New Zealand. Okay, there we go. We all learned something today. So, mozzie probably is what they pronounce it, I assume. Anyway, so they hung out in this very unpleasant place to work, and then they discovered this little froggy. And um, to the untrained eye, oh boy. Okay, so this is the, the scientific name for this little froggy is Latoria Mira. And they were saying, to the untrained eye, Latoria Mira looks almost identical to the Australian green tree frog, except for its glossy brown skin. It is the closest relative of the Australian green tree frog. But genetic analysis shows that the Latoria Mira 
has evolved to become, that sounds like a spell, Casey. It's a chocolate frog, and it sounds like a spell from Harry Potter. Okay, I'm sorry. I got excited in the middle of the sentence. Try again. But genetic analysis shows that the Latoria Mira, come on, it does, has evolved to become genetically distinct to the point where the two species would not be able to breed. So anyway, they discovered this awesome little new frog. It's super cute. I will be posting a picture of it. So initially, essentially, they thought it was just like an offshoot of mm-hmm. the green tree frog, which is apparently super duper common in Australia. But um, but this little frog is actually different. And then they just said that there were some other physical differences, including subtle patches of lavender behind the chocolate frog's eyes. And it is a little smaller than the Australian green tree frog at between seven centimeters and eight centimeters when fully mature. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then they just say that they named the new little frog Latoria Mira because the word Mira means surprised or strange in Latin, Oliver yep. said. And it was a surprising discovery to find an overlooked relative of Australia's well-known and common green tree frog living in the lowland rainforest of New Guinea. All right. So anyway, that's pretty much it. But the chocolate frogs exist. Yes. Maybe you don't want to eat them. You don't no, want to eat this kind, no. at least. And I want to see the lavender patch behind its eyes. This picture doesn't show it, but the picture is so cute. Oh, my gosh. Also, you learned that about me. I love the cute things, and this frog is adorable. So, um, so yeah. Got a little, little Harry Potter up in there with a the little froggy. And you know what else I'm into, Casey, besides Harry Potter? Other cute things. Other cute things, but musical theater. Mm-hmm. And and I got to choose our, our picks category <laughs> this week. And I, even the first time we were in South America, I was thinking of this because if you are familiar with the show, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, one of the characters, Leaf, who's like this like new, he's from a very new agey family and just like, it's, he's an interesting character. Um, and in the Spelling Bee, obviously the kids keep getting different words to spell and he keeps getting South American rodents. So it'll be like... And a goatee. And it's like, definition, please. It's like, a South American rodent, blah, 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 blah. And then it goes on to the other kids, and then it comes back to him, and it's like, all right, your word is a coochie. And then he says, what? <laughs> is that a real word? And and then Pancho, of course, is like, yes, it's a real word. He's like, can you say that in a spelling bee? And then he's like, and like definition, please. A South American rodent, yada, yada, yada. What about the coochie? So anyway, so I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many South American rodents. And it's a whole thing in this, first of all, that show's amazing and you should go see it. But um, but he keeps getting South American rodents. So they have like a, um, a little, uh, like sort of a montage, they call it the spelling montage. And you just keep quickly going through words and you don't actually hear them spell it. And then when he gets to it, it's like chinchilla. <laughs> like capybara or whatever. I don't know if capybara's in it, but chinchilla's definitely in it. Yeah. Anyway, so 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, which I have done twice. Um... Talks about South American rodents, so I chose South American rodents because they're real cool. And uh, I get we just generally Casey just goes first because it's just easiest. So Casey, <laughs> tell us tell us who your favorite South American rodent is. My favorite South American rodent is the Brazilian porcupine. Brazilian porcupine. That's not what it says in the notes, Casey. I know. <laughs> That's you a general. It? Okay. No, it's the general group name. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, say the general group name because it's cool. I will get to it. Okay. Okay. All right, Casey, you you tell us about the Brazilian porcupine or whatever it's called. So its scientific name is Condu prehensilis. Which is a clue, folks. (laughs) They're found throughout the Amazon basin, including regions like Brazil. 
I just I just realized I wrote that in Spanish. Did you? I wrote Brasilia. Oh well, that's fine. You were you were feeling you were feeling with it that day. Yeah, which is the only country that's really not already in Spanish. <laughs> Bolivia, Venezuela, Colombia, and Peru. And they live predominantly in rainforest habitat. Okay. They are about 60 centimeters long. <laughs> it's pretty good size. Yes. And weigh about five kilograms. Okay. The life, they can live from 12 to 17 years. And they are obligate herbivores, which is weird for rodents because rodents tend to be specialists. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they'll eat on bark, fruit, leaf buds, leaves, and flowers. And they don't eat any insects or anything? Nope. Wow, okay. They just eat the herbs. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like other porcupines, their body is coated uh, coated in modified hairs called quills Mm -hmm. that they use as a defense mechanism. Right, right. Yep. And of course, I have to address this. They cannot shoot their quills. (laughs) I was going to say, this is sort of a myth wrapped in. Porcupines cannot shoot their quills at you. Yep. Tarantulas can. So that's what you should really worry about. Not really, unless you mess with them too much. Also, their little hairs aren't going to do that much unless it like, gets in your eye, I would imagine. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Yes, and the quills are also barbed. So if a mm-hmm. predator gets stuck with them, mm-hmm. it's... Hard to get out. Yes, and it will probably die from an infection. We've all seen, hopefully, my favorite live-action animal movie, <laughs> Homeward Bound, and poor chance gets a face full of porcupine quills. Yes. And this is one of the reasons why this species has so few natural predators. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And they are an arboreal rodent, and they spend most of their time in the canopy. They have large curved claws that allow them to grip onto trees. Mm-hmm. And they also have a prehensile tail that acts like a fifth appendage. That's the cool part. Yes. And it helps them grip onto branches while they're traveling through the treetops. Yeah. Yes. And according to one of my friends that work with them, they can have an attitude. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. Yeah. They are currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list, and the population is currently stable. All right. Well, that's good. Probably because yes. they're so far up in the canopy. Yes. So and if you do it the right way, you can pet them. <laughs> Great. If you get yeah, don't pet opposite. Don't go. Go <laughs> with the grain. With the grain. Not against. <laughs> Otherwise, ouch. Yep. Um, all right. Cool. Well... I was actually having a bit of a struggle trying to pick one because also some of the names are just amazing, like Aguti and Akuchi and all of these things are I've honestly never heard of Akuchi. No, Akuchi is one. I learned it from Swung Meow. Looked it up when I was looking at rodents. And there are other really cool rodents, but I really like this one. And I was like, you know what? This is like the king of rodents. We're going with it. And just the fact that they swim makes me so happy. And seeing them swim just makes me so happy. So I chose the Capybara. And their scientific name is, oh boy. This is another fun thing we do on the, spe- on the spelling bee on the podcast all the time is Allie struggles with scientific names. Okay. Hydrochorus. Go with that. Hi- That's a mean name. Hydrochorus hydrocharis. Yep. That's what we're saying that is. Chus are usually cus in Latin. <laughs> I did say cu, didn't I? The second. Oh, the first one, one I did because it yeah. looks like chorus, but mostly. Anyway, fine. Hydro. Caris. Okay. Hydrochorus, Hydrocaris, something like that. Mm. They're found throughout much of South America, including Brazil, Uruguay, Venezuela, and Colombia. They are highly aquatic and live predominantly in marsh-like habitat along rivers and lakes. They are the world's largest rodent. 16 centimeters tall. Average house cat, Casey? 
24 centimeters tall. <laughs> so 60's real big. Yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of, I mean, not scary, but like they're big. That's like a medium sized dog. Anyway. All right. They are 130 centimeters long and they can weigh up to 60 kilograms. So they're, they're beefy little dudes. They are herbivores and feed on a large variety of water plants and grasses. They also eat their own poop. Of course they do, like any animal that eats grass, <laughs> to get beneficial bacteria to help them break down the high amounts of fiber in their diet. They have webbed feet, which is awesome. <laughs> and that makes them great swimmers, obviously. They need that because they're in the water all the time. And they are highly social and are found in large groups along riverbanks. They're just so fun. I just, I want to <laughs> hang out and observe capybara. They'd probably run from you. Probably, but if you just like set up a little camp, yeah. of course there's so many scary things in the Amazon, who knows. Anyway. I'd do it. <laughs> um, but anyway, when they sense a predator nearby, they will instinctively run into the water to escape. But what if there's a green anaconda, Casey? What are they gonna do? I don't think anacondas hunt capybara that much. I'm surprised because they eat giant things. Anyway. I don't know. Um, snakes and water, not okay. Just addressing that again. Anyway, so... And I disagree. Yes. <laughs> so they run into the water to escape. Like many other semi-aquatic animals, their ears, eyes, and nose are located near the top of its head, which makes sense. Also, a caiman would probably more likely get them. I feel like caiman's not that big, though. Caimans can be big, man. Okay, all right, well, whatever. See, you run into the water, there's all these water predators. Water predators? That sounds weird. Anyway. Aquatic predators. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Anyway. They don't know what's most terrifying, though? No, probably not. Why? River otters. Oh, the giant ones? They're, oh, they're so big. <laughs> they're scary. Anyway, they're not cute. I mean, they are cute, but they're, like, they're cute. not cute. Like, they're they cute have them to at look the, at, but they're not I think cute. they have some at the LA Zoo. I really want to see them in person. Okay. Also, side note, I was told from my friend who comes from L.A. and goes to L.A. Zoo that we're going to be disappointed. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she loved the park. She was like, this is better than the zoo. And she's like, you're going to be disappointed at the L.A. Zoo. I'm like, good to know. Anyway. Um, was it because of, like, the size or enclosures? The or size, is, the enclosures like, are more like a standard zoo. Yeah. This is like the animal park where it's big and open. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, and I guess they're kind of far, always far away. Mm -hmm. Nothing's close. I'd imagine because that's so, so many stupid, stupid people. people going into the... Yeah. Did you hear the spider monkey recently? I don't think so. Yeah, at... Uh, oh, my gosh. It was in Texas. Some woman went into the spider monkey enclosure to go feed them hot Cheetos. Are you serious? Oh, my yes. God. She got fired from her job. And is getting sued by the zoo. I'm sure. Her job was not at the zoo. I meant no. her normal job. It's a law firm. <laughs> and she's getting sued. Well, that would hurt them. Oh. They can't be eating hot Cheetos. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What an idiot. Anyway, mm -hmm. was she all there? She worked at a law firm. She probably was all there. Yeah. She's just dumb. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Moving along. Anyway, back to the capybara. Capybaras are not stupid people, so they're better. No. Yeah. Um... Mm -hmm. And obviously those having their ears and everything on, on top of their head makes sense that they're in the water. They don't, you know, like drown <laughs> or have to keep going up for air. It will just lift this part of its head out of the water to look out for predators with the rest of its body submerged to stay hidden. That's pretty smart. Mm -hmm. It's like almost like a little, it's a rodent crocodile just like, ooh, mm -hmm. I'm here. Okay. They are so closely associated with water that they are given the nickname water pigs. That's mm -hmm. adorable. Okay. <laughs> They are currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List. Population is currently stable. Good job, Capybaras. They're so cute. I love them. But they're not like little. They're like big cute things. Yes. I want to see them swim. <laughs> I Have see you them not seen them swim at the zoo? 
Not no, not in person. Well, I have. Where are they at the zoo? I know I've seen them. At the Odyssey. Zoo. That's right. They are there. right by the elephants and the jaguar. The yeah, they've never gone in the water when I've been there. Oh, I've seen them. I've seen them and the tapir yeah, in the, the tapir water. I've seen in the water, but not the capybara. I want to yeah. see them. I just don't want to go to the zoo because it's so crowded, dude, and the stupid people. Elbows up. Oh my god! <laughs> also, the zoo in the summer is just like not very fun. So. I oh, summer is the only time I ever able to go to the zoo because I was always doing schoolwork. So. Yeah, but that's the same time everyone goes to the zoo, and that's when everyone's on vacation, and they come to San Diego, and they're like, oh, let's go to the world-famous San Diego Zoo. Yes, and that's why I walk with my elbows up. Like, this is how we are in America. <laughs> Out of the way. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, those are our favorite South American rodents. Shout out, Spelling Bee. Um, <laughs> the, well, now not the prehensile tail porcupine, the Brazilian porcupine. Yes. Which has a prehensile tail. Yes. And the capybara, the king of the rodents. Thank you so much. But that brings us, Casey, to our animal of the week. Yes, it does. And our animal of the week is... The Titicaca frog. The Titicaca frog from Lake Titicaca. Yes. I should have remembered that whole tongue twister. It's a theatrical tongue twister. And it, like, oh, I'm so mad I didn't look that up. I'm going to have to check into that for next episode. <laughs> but it goes to, like, all these, like, cities and places mm-hmm. to, like, loosen up your tongue, obviously. And then something is, like, and Lake Titicaca uh, or something like that. It's amazing. Like Sally Shell. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. Like Sally she Oh, she I thought sells it was- seashells down by the seashore or about my seashell sheets, which have a hole in them, Casey. She put another hole. How long have I had those? I think it's been like six months. Uh, That's what, I have this one bringing it, and it's the only reason I would be glad not to have a cat because I know my cats would probably rip it up. Yeah, it's anyway. I still would need a key. But I will have to look into that. I'm so mad at myself for not doing that in advance. But that is the only reason I knew of like Titicaca. And this frog is so cute, you guys. The only reason I'm... Funny thing is the only reason I know about Lake Titicaca is because of this frog. Really? That's amazing. <sighs> All right, well, tell us about them, Casey. Yes, yeah, so these guys come from the order Anura, which is the frog and toads. Anura, okay. Yes, and they come from the family Telmatobidae. Sure, okay. <laughs> and the species' scientific name is Telmatobilis Coolius. Because they're cool. <laughs> Cool, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. And as the name suggests, they are from Lake Titicaca. Yes. Which is on the border of Bolivia and Peru. And they are found primarily in the lake, but they are also found in small lakes and rivers that are connected to it. Okay. And some individuals in captive breeding programs have been known to live up to their 20s. Nice. And it is the largest species of fully aquatic frog. It weighs about 250 grams and up to 13 centimeters in size on average. How many is 230 grams to um, kilograms? 0.25 kilograms. Okay, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> All right. About, let's see. No, uh, I'm not doing that conversion in my head. Okay, great. And like all frogs, they are predators. And stomach content analysis have shown that the bulk of their diet consists of amphipods and snails. Anthropods are... Amphipods. Amph? Amph? Amph. Amph. Is that another amphibian? No. What, what is that? It's, an, it's a crustacean. Oh, okay. One of the most important crustaceans on Earth. 
Okay. How have well, I never heard that term before? Because people don't care about arthropods when they should. <laughs> okay. But now you're saying arthropods and amphipods. This is confusing. There's so many things. <laughs> That's because pods is in every major classification, basically. Okay. It means foot or appendage. Okay. Anyway, so they eat whatever these things are. Yes, they're tiny little crustacean thingies. Okay. But they will also eat tadpoles and fish as well. Their own tadpoles or other frog species? Typically of other frog species, but they won't discriminate. (laughs) All right. Yes, and as I mentioned, they are a fully aquatic species, and it doesn't even need to come up to the surface to breathe. Ever in its life? Nope. Wow. Depending on conditions, but typically not. They have highly reduced lungs, and they have barely any vascularization for gas exchange. Oh, okay. What they do have is highly folded skin that's very loose, which increases the surface area of the skin. Okay. And then they breathe through cutaneous gas exchange, and the folded skin acts like a gill. Weird. Not really. A lot of amphibians do it. Okay. It's just most amphibians also have to rely on lungs and or gills. Yeah. And when oxygen levels do get low, they will do push-up motions in order to increase the flow of oxygen into their blood. That's so cute. Yes. But if oxygen levels don't increase, then they will pass out and die. Oh. Eventually. They can't even go to the surface and get an air to help with They the can. Okay. If they really need to, but they'd rather not. I'd rather die <laughs> than go up to the filthy surface where all those, they know we're up there. Yep. And they're like, nah, just, just stay down here. Johnny. Yes, and this folded skin is also the reason they are given the nickname the Titty Caca Scrotum Frog. I did not know that. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Casey, they were so cute before. They're very wrinkly. I'm honestly surprised you found such... Because I, I looked at it from front on and the yeah. face is really cute. Obviously, I didn't look at the rest of it because I yeah. did not think of a freaking scrotum. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> also just the fact that this is like already the thirteen year old's like joke because it's titty caca. <laughs> so now we have boobs, poop, and scrotums. Just really rounding it out. Okay, yep. great. And mating typically occurs in shallow water with this species. And they'll usually do it amongst the vegetation. And females can lay up to five hundred eggs at a time. That's why they don't care about eating them. Not much is known about the reproduction in the wild, but large clutch size suggests that there is not much parental investment from this species. Okay. So they just lay and leave. Leave them, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. How I think humans should do. <laughs> they would all die. We would not exist. Have should you we... seen how helpless babies are? Yes. They have to have mittens on so they don't destroy themselves when they're little. How are we that horribly designed? Uh, because... Uh, I blame our brain. Our brain is a reason for a lot of our problems. (laughs) Like, women's childbirth, you can blame it on our brains. Everything's bad. Like, we are not designed to have babies well. People die all the time from it, especially in the olden days. Mm -hmm. Now, less so, but still America, we're not good in maternal. (laughs) Yeah, I'm taking a course in chromosomes, and one thing I learned is that we have one of the worst mitotic Myotic divisions of any organism on the planet. It's the one. It's the cell division that produces gametes, which are sperm and eggs, which are kind of important, and we mess it up so often. Okay, well, we're weird. Yes. Anyway, back to the yes, to the caca frog. 
So they have one of the lowest metabolism of any frog species thus studied. Wow, okay. Yes. So they require very little oxygen, mm -hmm. and they're not particularly active. So they mainly just stay at the bottom of the lake and don't do a whole lot. They're just chilling. They're just chilling. <laughs> they're like the inverse of a Great Pyrenees. They sit at the bottom of a lake and look at fish all day or yep. something. <laughs> don't move. Yep. Yeah, they don't. Because it's When you're at that depth, the water gets cold. They already have a low metabolism. Mm -hmm. So... They don't move very much. And they are well adapted to live at high elevations due to their adaptations to extract oxygen in weird ways mm -hmm. and to have be able to take not need that much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> These guys are currently listed as endangered by the IUCN Red List. Mm -hmm. The population is currently in decline. Oh, no. The major threats are overcollection for traditional medicine as well as habitat degradation. And there are some introduced trout species in the lake that are eating their eggs and tadpoles. Mm, okay. Yes. Were they introduced for fishing? Do we know? Probably. Okay. <laughs> I thought that's what usually winds up happening in that situation. Yep. All right, so that is the Titicaca frog, our very first animal of the week of season two, Casey. Yes, it is. That's pretty exciting. We only did one amphibian all last season, and now we're I like, know. boom, starting off. <laughs> well, I wanted to do one, but you did not like it because it, in your definition, it was gross. Which one was it? <laughs> A snake? A no, snake the Sicilian. Oh, I don't remember it. Oh, yes, I do. I think I remember it. I will reintroduce that for... We'll get there eventually. <laughs> anyway, moving along. Yes. Casey. Allie. Why are, why are frogs so happy? I do not know why. Because they eat whatever bugs them. <laughs> it's so cute. This one, they have cute faces. And inaccurate. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It is time for the challenge. And yep. if you are new to us this week, every week we do a challenge. Sometimes for both of us, sometimes we single each other out. And <laughs> um, and usually we do terribly. Yes. But let's let's see how, how it goes today. So today is Casey's challenge. So we'll see. I'm going to guess it's just for me. Yes, it based is. Based on the fact that you're looking at something over there. Okay, great. <laughs> yes. So what are we doing? Two truths and a lie. Oh, boy. Okay. So I've got a list of ten just random assortments of sentences or phrases. Random They're... words thrown together? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, that's what a sentence is. It's not random, though. I say it's random. Okay. But yeah, there's going to be two statements that are true, and then one is a lie. You have to determine which one is the lie. Okay. Is there a timer, or are we just freeform? We're freeforming it. Okay, great, great. Great. All right, here we go. Okay, for the first one, 10% of all animals are vertebrates. Sharks have been on Earth longer than trees. All mammals have hair. I know that hair is one of the classifications mm -hmm. of mammals, but I feel like there's a freaking, you know, exception. Because there's always an exception that drives me insane. Um, sharks are pretty old, but are they older than trees? I don't really think so. What was the other one? 10% of... All animals are vertebrates. I don't know. I feel like they could all be tricks. <laughs> I'm going to say two are true and one's a lie, right? Yes. It's going to be wrong. I'm going to say sharks are not older than trees. That one is true. Okay. 
10% of all animals are vertebrates is the lie. Okay. It's only 2%. Wow, okay. Yeah. So that one you got wrong. <laughs> wow. He made that <laughs> real clear. Yes. I will shame you. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not a biology major. I'm not going to know this shit. <laughs> all right. On to the next one. So, first one is, crocodiles are more closely related to birds than lizards. There are fireflies in California. Bees are the most diverse group of used social insects. I'm pretty sure there are fireflies in California. I think you brought that up at one point, and we were very jealous, and we want to see them. <laughs> and then, um, crocodiles to birds versus lizards? Yes. And then bees are the most diverse use social. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Again, I'm going to get these wrong. I'm going to say crocodile. Wait, no, so one's a lie. Yes. Which one's the lie? I'm going to say bees are the most diverse use social. That one is the lie. Yay! Ants are the most diverse okay. use social insect. I got one right. Yes. I'll make that clear. Okay. All right. On to the next one. All mammals are heterodonts. Oh, no. There are more weevils and leaf beetle species than all vertebrates combined. Okay. Sharks evolved before beetles. So I definitely believe that there are more weevil and whatever than all vertebrates combined. That's mm-hmm. definitely true. They're hetero, what it, heterodonts. That makes me feel like they have different teeth. Yes. What it, what, that was all vertebrates? All mammals. Mammals. I feel like I don't know if that's true. What was the last one? Sharks? Sharks evolved before beetles. I don't know. I'm going to say that the lie is the all mammals are heterodonts. That one is the lie. Yay! So that's typically a characteristic that we'll use in the fossil record to identify mammals. Mm-hmm. But there's exceptions like ant eaters and pangolins that don't have teeth. Okay. And cetaceans that only have one kind of teeth. Ah, okay, cool. Tooth. Okay. All right. Okay. Some hummingbirds can dive and survive experience 8 Gs of force. Only male lions commit infanticide. Dragonflies have less efficient wing muscles than other flying insects. I feel like that's probably true. Um, You could just have a lioness who's a bitch. Who kills babies. <laughs> what was the first one? Some hummingbirds can dive and survive experiencing eight Gs of force. I'm going to say that. I've just never seen a hummingbird dive, so I'm going to say that one's a lie. That one is true. Damn, is it the lions? It's the lions. There are no bitchy lionesses. Yes, if a female lioness comes across another female and her cubs, she will kill those cubs if they're not from her pride. Wow, okay. Yep. I'm surprised you were correct. I thought you were going to go with the dragonflies. No, that sounded true. Yeah. Really? Most people, I I remember when I met, learned about it, I didn't, I found it surprising because dragonflies are like the fastest moving insects ever. They're cool, but they have like skinny little wings. Yeah. Well, the reason being is that um, their muscles connect directly to their wings Mm -hmm. and they have to have another set of muscles to contract and release to make them go up and down whereas things like flies and bees their muscles don't attach to the wing it attaches to the pterygite which is one of the 
parts of the back. And then by contracting that, they can only have one muscle, and then it acts like a hinge to move the wings up and down. Okay. All right. Now, moving on. The animal that was first used for the term keystone species was the ochre sea star. Only cetaceans and bats use echolocation. Elephants can communicate with other elephants over 16 kilometers away. I think the elephant thing is true. Who is the first keystone species? And what was, what was the second one again? Only cetaceans and bats use echolocation. Like, I kind of feel like that's it, but then I feel like there's going to be another exception. <laughs> so, it's like, I feel like it's that or the ochre, because maybe the ochre wasn't the first one. Which I should know, because we talked about them, <laughs> so I should remember if you said that. I'm just going to say the ochre sea star was not the first one. It was indeed the first Damn one. Damn it! <laughs> Only cetaceans and bats use echolocation is the lie. Okay, so who else does? There are some swiftlets, which are birds. Okay. And then also shrews and tenerix use echolocation. Weird. Uh, yep. Okay. All right. Okay, next one. Honeybees are critically endangered. Honeybees cannot pollinate blueberries or tomatoes. The taste of honey varies depending on where the honeybees are. These could all be lies. I have no idea. Um... I don't know. I'm going to say, I feel like that last one is probably true. Just for funsies, we'll pick the middle one. I'll say they can't pollinate the, what, blueberries and tomatoes or whatever. That one is true. Damn it. Honeybees are not critically endangered. They're just endangered. They're the least threatened of all bee species. Because the other bees that are, Okay. Yeah, because there's just thousands upon thousands of them. <laughs> but yeah, they can't pollinate blueberries or tomatoes because those got plants rely on what's called floral sonication, which is where the bee grabs the pollen, bites it, and then vibrates its wing muscles without actually moving its wings, and then that dislodges the pollen. Mm, okay. Yeah. Honeybees cannot do that. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, and it varies between where you are because... Depending on what they pollinate is what kind of nectar they collect, which gets processed into honey. Mm. In fact, there's some honey that is incredibly expensive. Yeah, I believe that honey would taste different in different places. Because they pollinate certain things. Right. Yeah. Alrighty. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Dragonflies are the most successful predator on the planet. The wood-boring beetles destroy American forests are an invasive species. Okay. Bumblebees hives only survive for a year. Okay. So bumblebee hives only survive for a year. What were the other two now? Dragonflies are the most successful predator on the planet. Okay. And the wood-boring beetles that are destroying American forests are an invasive species. I really don't know any of this. I'm just going to say the hives aren't are make it longer than a year that one is true okay great the wood boring beetles are not an invasive species okay the reason why they're destroying the place is because of climate change so they're not experiencing a frost that kills off the adults mm, okay so they're staying around for longer than they should 
Great, great. So yep. I think I got like two of those right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Moving on. Brown bears are the most widely distributed bear species. Okay. Polar bears are an endangered species. Panda bears have the strongest bite force among bears. Okay, so that one's true. Um, so brown bears are most distributed or polar bears are endangered. Mm-hmm. I do believe it is the black bear that is the most widely distributed. So I'm going to say that the brown bear being most widely distributed is the lie. That one is true. God damn it. Where? Across Asia and North America. Oh, okay. Black bears, there are two separate species, one in the America and the other one in Asia. Okay. Yeah. Polar bears are not an endangered species. They are vulnerable okay. with a population of about 20 to 25,000. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so. It did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did not. So. I'm pretty sure I got two right. Pretty sure you did. I mean, I definitely got two right. I just don't think I got more than two right. Like, maybe three. All right. So, next one. Hyenas are more closely related to cats. Okay. There are no bears in the southern hemisphere. And two mason bees can pollinate as much as a hundred honeybees. Okay. So, but hyenas are more closely related to cats than what? Dogs. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, Ben. <laughs> um, that one's definitely true. Um, two mason bees mm-hmm. can pollinate how much? As much as a hundred honeybees. I'm going to say that's true because it's not a honeybee and you don't like honeybees. And I'm pretty sure there is a bear in the southern hemisphere, so I'm um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that the bee one is the lie. The bee one is the lie. Yeah. That one is true. It's the bear. Bear. There are bears in the southern hemisphere. There's one. Oh, it said there were no bears in the southern yes. hemisphere. Oh, I was saying that there was though. Okay, obviously I don't understand how not true works. Okay. No, so that's the lie. Okay, I got yeah. you. Yeah. I have to remember that that's what it is because I literally would have gotten that right because I'm like, there's definitely a bear down in the Southern Hemisphere. Okay. There's one in South America. Yes, it's the Andean, also called Spectacle Bear. Yeah. I'll give you that one because it seems like you were just confused yeah, on the format. I have to remember before I answer now that... There's true truths. <laughs> one lie. Oh You're finding the lie. <laughs> okay. <try> okay. <laughs> Last one. Okay. So, dung beetles... Use the Milky Way to navigate at night. I mean, that's amazing, so I hope it's true. Continue. California has the largest diversity of bee species in North America. Okay. Cicadas' mating flights are in cycles of prime number of years. So that was definitely true. I want the dung beetle to be true, because that's just cool. And what was it, the most diverse of bee species? Yes. We are a big agriculture place. But I feel like there could be another place that has more than California, but also we're giants, so. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that's the lie, basically just because I want the dung beetle thing to be true. That is true. California does not have Yay! the largest diversity. Is it Florida? Is it Texas? Who is it? Utah. That's fucking random. Okay. It's because bee diversity is highest in desert ecoregions. Oh. And there's okay. a convergence of three large 
desert ecoregions with high diversity of bees in Utah. Okay. Yeah. So it's often called the beehive state. I've never heard that. Amongst entomologists, at least it is. <laughs> Literally never heard that. I mean, they but, have some amazing national parks out yes, there. Yes, they do. But um. But yeah, they have like there's there's one location I can't remember what it is. They have this giant beehive wow. <laughs> statue. It's funny. Okay, let's see the final tally. <laughs> you got four. four out of ten. Four, yes. And we don't grave on a curve, so you fail. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough. I mean, it's a D, yeah. but I still would have failed the class. Yeah. All right, well, that was kind of tough, though, man, because they weren't even related to each other. You expect me to know a lot more than I do. Anyway, all right, well, that brings us to the end of episode 44, our first episode in season two. Um, thank you so much for listening, as usual, as usual, as always. <laughs> Yes, currently, as always. Oh, boy. Um, We're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And we will catch you on the next episode of Animal Addicts Podcast.